Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 50 of Off the Block Swimming Podcast. Thank you all very much for downloading our show today, wherever you are right now listening. I'm your host, Robbie Cox. Well, we made it. This is the season three finale of the show, and incredibly all time, this is the 100th episode, which is an amazing accomplishment. I certainly did not think that when I first started the podcast that we'd be able to get to 100 episodes, but it is all thanks to you guys, the loyal listeners out there who continue to support the show each and every week. And I cannot tell you enough how much I love you all for it. Now, something I haven't mentioned a lot in Season 3 is the ratings of the show, uh, how we've been ranking up against the other swimming podcasts on a week-to-week basis. And I'm very proud to say that from Episode 1 with Grant Hackett all the way to last week's Episode 49 with Mr. Adam Peaty, we have been the number one most listened to swimming podcast in Australia and New Zealand, which is very humbling to know. Thank you very, very much for all of your support, the Australian and New Zealand public. Also, lots of love goes out to our US and Canadian listeners, of course. Also, the listeners over there in the United Kingdom who really started to get behind it, especially in the last few months, for your constant support, having us high up on the charts over there as well on a weekly basis. It always blows my mind that people are actually listening to my voice and the show from across the other side of the world. So thank you very, very much. And look, I've been blessed, it is no doubt, to speak to some of the biggest names in our sports past and present. And there's no doubt we would not be here today if it wasn't for our one Aussie swimming legend giving me a chance to prove myself and the show and that the podcast would be able to go on and do great things. And I think it's only appropriate that on this episode number 100, we give that person a call to say thank you. Now, this is uh, off the cuff, so I don't know how this is going to go, but we will soon find out. Uh, It could turn into a really awkward segment, but uh, we shall see. Now, if you're a loyal listener of the show, you'll know exactly who I'm about to call, but if you're not, well, stay tuned and we'll see how we go. Hey, Robbie, how you going? Hey, Jess, how are you? Good, good, thank you. Now, for all the listeners out there who don't know, just because we've um, said hello to each other so informally, this is uh, Aussie swimming legend, Miss Jess Shipper. Now, Jess, uh, first off, I've got to ask, how have you been? Because I haven't spoken to you for a while. No, yeah, it's um, we've been good. We've been keeping busy, um, keeping my head above water, yeah. <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> Uh, I saw the kids were doing some swimming lessons at a club night. How's that been going? Yeah, excellent. It, it's really good. They're both very full of energy, both of them, and uh, they do a whole bunch of different sports. Um, but swimming season has kicked off again, and so they started doing um, club nights. So they they do their lessons every, once a week, every week, mm. and, but club nights have started again on Friday night, so they're you know, learning to race and oh, it's adorable. They <laughs> love it. Yeah. And well, they're competitive. I don't know where they get that from. But. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't be able to tell you. Um, <laughs> but I've got to tell you, like, obviously both your kids are great, but that Robbie kid, I think he's going places just because <laughs> got a great name um, it's the name yeah <laughs> exactly now i know you're a big broncos fan 
And is this true or false? Were you caught throwing wooden spoons onto the training paddock a few weeks ago? <laughs> uh, not me personally. <laughs> um, yes, it was a devastating season, sadly. Yeah, I know. Um, Charlie, uh, my daughter, actually had um, a Bucky uh, onesie. She had a, a Broncos onesie, which because oh, all of my all of my parents who I, I coached all the swimmers, they knew I was from New South Wales, and obviously yeah. Charlie was born in Brisbane, so they took great delight in um, making yeah. her a Queenslander <laughs> and getting her a Bucky outfit. But God bless, she loved that thing. She would always wear it around. So Aww. yeah, it was. I must admit. I wasn't overly happy to see the Broncos doing that badly. So, you know, no. I, I felt a bit bad for you, mate. <laughs> Thank you. Much appreciated. <laughs> well, mate, onwards and upwards. You've got Kevy in there now, so it'll all be good. Yeah, that's it. Hopefully, yeah, they um, can have a new start and they train hard in the off-season and come back. Yeah, and hopefully it's not any worse next week. <laughs> hey, things can only get better. Um, yeah. I've also got to congratulate you while I've got you on the phone, Matt. I know you do a lot of great charity work, and one that is sort of near and dear to my heart is all the work around mental health. I know you did the Walk for Awareness. Talk yes. to me about that, and, and, and secondly as, as well, you know, congratulations for all the great stuff around that. Thanks, thank you. Um, yeah, I try my, my hardest to, like, to support as many charities as I can. Um, you know, any any opportunity I can give to help help a charity out is great. And, and mental awareness is something that is becoming very prevalent. It's people are talking about it finally, and it, yeah, it's becoming more more aware. And mm. the walk for awareness this is the third year I've done it, but they've been going for ten years now, um, getting bigger and bigger every year. Yeah. And, just making yeah, making people aware, you know, talking about it, giving people the opportunity to. Well, especially this year, more than I mean, it's always it's always uh, important, isn't it? But this year, as you know, it's been more important with yeah. people losing jobs and you know struggling to pay bills and all that sort of stuff. Absolutely, this year has been so stressful for everybody, um, and just I think it's important to know that yeah, you're not alone in in that boat, and that it's okay to talk about it. And, yeah, this year has just been crazy. There's just no other word for it. Yeah, absolutely. Have you been watching any of the ISL? Obviously, we're missing swimming. We haven't been able to, <laughs> to see any competition. Even our own, uh, we were going to have um, the Aussie short course champs. That got put to yeah. a virtual championships now. Yeah. Did you, have you had a chance to watch any? And I know it's on at 1 a.m., so as a parent <laughs> as a parent myself, I just uh, record it and I watch it when I get record tired. Record it and watch it later. Have you yes, seen any so. of it? I've seen a little bit of it. They've done, they're doing pretty well considering the circumstance and situation. Uh, it's been absolutely devastating year for sport all around, like missing out on the the Olympics and everything. So, yeah, it's good to see sport happening again. How would you have gone? Do you reckon if you were still in the pool and and you were training and you're getting ready to gear it up for for Tokyo this year, and then someone said, "Oh, you know, we're going to have to postpone it for another year." You have to postpone it. Yeah, it's uh, it. Depends on where you're at in your career. Like I know a lot of people were thinking that this was going to be the last thing. So to hold on for something that may not still even happen and to be training and just be so unsure of what's going to happen to find that motivation would be hard. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Are you still doing a bit of work with Swimming Queensland? I know that's where I always used to see you when I was up there. Yes, yes. So they've kept me very busy, which is good. As I was saying, sport's kicking back off and swimming – Swimming is in that boat, so that's good. 
What are you doing around there? I know you used to do some um, clinics and stuff like that. Always, most people, if you're a Queenslander listening to this podcast, you will know that you see Jess quite often uh, at the front <laughs> gate as your first walking through. But what else are you getting up to? Uh, so they, I've got um, a few different roles with them. So I work in the Swimming Queensland uh, swim shop, the retail shop there, and yeah. um, help people buy race suits and, and stuff that they need for swimming, which is which is good because I've got a bit of experience with that. So it's an easy kind of thing to, to help people with. Um, then I'm up in the office as well doing admin work. Um, I can't wait to be able to get back out and start doing clinics and stuff mm. at clubs uh, once those um, – restrictions have been lifted and and we can get out and start doing that stuff again yeah absolutely now i've got to ask two years ago jess when i uh, facebook messaged you saying or oh, would you come on the podcast as a guest <laughs> uh, and because you're such a legend you said yes we did the chat would you ever have thought that we <laughs> this is my hundredth episode like, i can't even fathom that because that was just like a hail mary i don't even know how i was friends with you on facebook we'd literally never <laughs> met each other but we somehow I was like, oh, friends with Jess Shipper. All right, yeah, let's and try we this. Bumped into each other so many times since then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But Would you have no, thought we'd get this far? No, well, I did. I had every faith in you. Congratulations <laughs> for doing such an amazing job. You. you, you do a great job, and they're great to listen to. Well, which ones have been some of your favourites? Do you get amongst them? I'm always. Um, I wouldn't say shocked, but I'm always surprised. Like I remember talking to Andrew Lauderstein. He'd go, oh, I know you love your coffee. And I'm like, how do you know that? He's like, mate, I listen to the show. I'm like, oh, yeah. well, that's okay. Like, it's, it's always, yeah, it's always, I always find it funny. Do you listen to many? Uh, yeah, a few. Uh, not all of them. I haven't done a hundred of them yet, no, though. No, um, no, no, no mate, you're probably ahead of my wife. She hasn't even done like two or three, so it's oh, okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, yeah, no, I, I, how do you pick a favourite? Um, like the, the stories, I suppose, when you hear people like Lordo telling stuff that, that happened, you're like, oh, I remember that. No, yeah. Yeah, I mean, cool. yeah, yeah. I think you've you've touched on something um, interesting there. A lot of people that I do talk to, like Kenrick Mark and and you know Lordo, that you know listen for those stories that you guys tell to be like, oh, you know, yeah, yeah, I was there, and it sort of takes them back and takes them. Back, um, yeah. And it, what's been really funny to me is. Uh, for me, the you know, doing the podcast, I'm 34 years old, and a lot of the people that seem to really be getting behind, obviously the swimmers are enjoying it, which is fantastic. Parents are enjoying it, which is fantastic. But it seems to be a lot of people around our age that yeah. are really getting behind it. Do you think it's because we grew up in an era where swimming was like, you know, I had Susie O'Neill on. Yeah. And you know, to me, I was—it was like I was talking to the Queen of Australia. So, like she yeah. was, to, like I was, like bowing down. Do you yeah. think it's because they were such rock stars back when we were growing up that you know? And you went on to obviously um, compete against them, and and then once they yeah. moved on, you know, you became um, the upper echelon yourself. But for me, yeah. I was always just watching <laughs> you guys going, "Look at these, look, these guys yeah. are the stars." Yeah, it just, I think, it, yeah, the generation in particular for that 20 years from, you know, just before 2000 until, yeah, like recently, this generation of swimmers is, has been amazing and it's, um, you know, it's hard to pick your favourite. Like, I, I, the same with you, like with Susie, I idolise her and think she's amazing and um, and all of that. And, yeah, it's just from one to the next and we got to mix, which was great. And, and yeah, just... Reliving, like everybody has their own memories of things, and then 
they say they say say those and you get to relive that moment you're like oh yeah i remember that like especially with this year with the 20 years since the mm. 2000 olympics listening to all the stories that the um the aoc put out and so it was great you know you're like oh yeah i do remember that i do remember that but stuff that you've forgotten about yeah i mean that was a crazy time i don't know um for yourself but i was I remember videoing. I'd record all the races. So any heats, I don't even know I was recording heats. Some of them I didn't realise, you know, half the people could hardly swim. I mean, we all know Eric the Eel. And the funny story about Eric the Eel, which I didn't know, is um, Clemmy actually had to save him two days later at Bondi because they were doing a photo shoot uh-huh. and uh, Eric was out there, you know, getting his photo and swam a bit too far and, and Clemmy had to go yeah, help far. rescue him. So, that, you know. I didn't know that either. That's awesome. <laughs> no, I thought that was fantastic too, but. Yeah, so, you know, I'm recording all these things. So I, I don't know where all these – I'm pretty sure mum and dad chucked them out. But yeah. I remember just being um, – just swept up in it, eh? Swept up in it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, mate, listen, I want to – I don't want to keep you too long. And I did promise you, you know, we, we wouldn't um, we wouldn't chat for too long because I know you're it's busy right. and I've got Charlie watching a movie at the moment. So yeah, <laughs> Parenting nice. 101. She's currently watching The Good Dinosaur. Um, oh, cute. Yeah, God bless her. She'll start screaming soon if the iPad starts to run out of charge. Um, but I wanted to thank you because, I, you know, and I genuinely mean this, I don't know if we would have gotten this far if episode number one didn't start with Jeff Shipper. And what I what I mean by that, and obviously it's, it's you know, heaping praise onto you and I genuinely mean it, is that, you know, those people that came on after that, your Libby Trickets, your Gian Rooney's, a lot yeah. of them have said that they did go back and look who I spoke to and they noticed – that you were that first one, and that yeah. definitely made an impact on them to go. Well, if Jess is talking if to him, then, then we, you know, he mustn't be such a bad bloke. So we, we're going to give him a go. Uh, and you know, as I said, thankfully, you know, last week I spoke to Adam Peaty, which I I just would never have thought in my you know wildest dreams I'd be talking to the biggest name in in swimming yeah, at the moment. That's and awesome. Okay, I definitely attributed. I go all the way back to to number one because I think if we didn't start, you know, with such a high caliber, and I definitely want to get to episode number two, mate. I said it way back then, and I still mean it. I think we can. Obviously, we can't catch up over coffee at Chandler like I did, <laughs> like like I did. did last time. Once upon a time, yeah. exactly. But no, thank you very much. I, I really appreciate it. Oh, no, it's my absolute pleasure. And yeah, you like I started it. You've you've done a great job since then, and and good on you for getting into contact with all of those people and and getting them to share some of their stories. Well, mate, thank you very much. I'm going to let you get head off. Now, what else have you got going on for the day? Um, I've got another hour of work and then I head off and pick the boys up from school. Oh, nice. Anything, any big plans for the weekend? Uh, my father-in-law is down in town. He's um, up in Innisfail and he's come down for work and it's the first time we've seen him since March. So we're spending the weekend with him, which oh, will be nice. Be a nice catch-up. <laughs> yes. All right, yeah. Jess. Well, uh, yeah, thank you very, very much. As I said, uh, appreciate you, uh, you know, coming on for a chat again today, but, you know, definitely kick us off in the right way back. Way back in episodes no, like it's... such long. Uh, Charlie wasn't even born when I first spoke <laughs> to you. So crazy, that, isn't that's it? how long ago it was. But thank you very, very that's much, amazing. mate, for being a legend. No worries. Absolutely anytime. Thank you very much for having me on again. Thanks, Jess. No worries. See ya. Wow, there you go. Jess Shipper, thank you very much for coming on for a chat. As I said, we started all the way back in in episode one, season one, two years ago. My daughter wasn't even born. We're crazy time. That was just before then. So 
Thank you very much to the legend that is Jess Shipper just taking the call, answering like, hey, Robbie. There you go. That's, you don't get that every day. Now, as I said, but this is season three and the finale, and I thought what better way to celebrate than to have a tribute to the season that was and all the amazing superstar guests that we've had on for a chat. So for the final time in season three, grab a drink, turn your volume up, kick back and relax because the final show for season three with all of our amazing guests starts... Now. Away they go. No problems with the start. There is two one hundred in the second in it. Gary Hall Jr., the extrovert, and Ian Thorpe battling it out down the pool. Thorpe is starting to go away from him. Oh, he's blowing him away now. Thorpe's gone more than a meter on Van der Nuzen's hand. But the signature of all eyes is the great Phantom Butterfly, Susie O'Neill. He's coming back. Oh, he surely can't do it to him again. Savage in the white hats, Phelps in the black hats, and Phelps is Phillips. I cannot believe he's done that. Thorpe to Thorpe, Thorpe to Hall, Thorpe goes in. Australia win. Well, all I need to say is today I'm joined by Madam Butterfly, and I think that says it all. It is my honour to welcome to Off the Block Swimming Podcast to Susie O'Neill. Susie, how are you going? Good, thank you. Mate, your 200 fly race, let's get to it. And it's been spoken to about, uh, you know, especially um, over the last year since, you know, the, your radio show where you, you, you watched it and, you, you know, you got a bit emotional. And I know you probably don't like bringing it up again, so I apologise. But I only bring it up because I, I enjoyed it for the fact that it was raw, it was authentic. It was definitely, you know, something that you weren't making up. That's just a gut feel. That's just, you know, it hits you straight away. And I think for me, certain people, there's only select few people in the world that can understand how you were feeling in that moment. Cause I spoke to Grant Hackett, another name drop, um, not long ago. And he said, you know, he made headlines and he did mention it again on my podcast that he looks at his silver medals as failures. And he actually said, you know, he gets disgusted at times when he, he looks at them and thinks about it, which I think to everyone else looking at it, it's like, come on, that's just still a silver medal. But to me, again, for him, that's a raw, authentic, you know, he can't make that up. That's just how he feels. Do you think that's the secret to being a champion, such as yourself, such as Grant, Michael Phelps, Ian Thorpe, I'm assuming those sort of guys, you know, I'm talking to Bob Bowman, I've spoken to Michael Phelps' coach, and he even says uh-huh. he wants to, um, you know, he, if they're having a bake-off now, because Bob Bowman said, I can bake things better than you. And Michael Phelps said, well, no, I can, that's a lie. And then now they're having a bake-off to see who's a better baker because it's just, he can't <laughs> let him, you know, get it over him. Do you think that's the secret sometimes to, to being the champion is that you hate losing more than you enjoy winning? Mm. That's interesting you say that because I've been really reflecting on, um, on myself re-watching my um, to a fly coming second a lot and wondering what what is it why what's the feeling and I, and it's funny that I came to that I came to that I hate losing more than I like winning mm. exactly that I kind of wish I could have I wish I in my career I could have enjoyed my winning more than I hated losing if that makes sense yeah yeah it's really weird and I think and that's the other thing I've come to after um you know it was good to do that thing where I cried because it made me um kind of question a lot of things in my life or how my brain works and that type of thing about around things. And um, I go, well, I hate it that I was like that and I'm that I in my swimming career, but it actually is what made me successful. The fact mm. that I was um, really hard on myself is what made me 
good. So I have to kind of like it. And um, that's another thing I've spent a bit of time in therapy talking about, actually, to be honest, because it doesn't really work in real life. I'm telling you, being hard on yourself as much as I was as a swimmer and taking that through to real life is not healthy. It doesn't work and it's not fun. So I've basically spent the last 20 years, probably the last 10 years, trying to unravel and unlearn all the things that I that made me a really good swimmer. Mm. And um, I know that when I talk to people, they say, at what cost? At, but at what cost um, was that? And I say, but I don't care at what cost. I would still yeah. go and, I would actually still go and do it all again because that's what I really wanted to do and I achieved everything I wanted to achieve. So I don't care what it cost me. You know, I kind of don't, which yeah. seems dumb, doesn't it? I mean, I'm, I'm working on those things and I'm definitely a lot happier and, and have a different, slightly different mindset than I had when I was a swimmer. But that is what made me successful. So I accept those parts of my personality for what they are. You name it, he has done it. World records, Olympic gold, multiple time world champion and Com Games champion. And he is currently in Budapest gearing up to help lead the London Raw for the season two launch of the ISL. It is a massive welcome to Off the Block Swimming podcast to the one and only Mr. Adam Peaty. Adam, how are you going, mate? Did you hear me? And the internet is horrendous. <laughs> that is the worst start ever on the show. Possibly the biggest name. And we have started like that. It's not, it's not off the blocks anymore. It's still on the block. <laughs> yeah, we're, on the, we're still waiting. Mate, we've talked about it. We've touched on it a little bit. Champions mentality. It's one of the really things that fascinates me. And one of the reasons I started the podcast is I wanted to talk to champion athletes you know, such as yourself and find out what makes you guys tick. I get to coach, obviously, age group athletes and you know, 17, 18-year-olds. So I'm always trying to you know, better myself, professional development. It's always very interesting to me what makes you guys different i guess and we've sort of touched on it you've you've come you've sort of gotten to a little bit to the points but what makes champions and that champion mindset do you think different from say and you know some someone who makes the olympics versus someone who's breaking world records and is being an outlier in the olympics i think there's a one um, you know you can't disagree that there's a huge amount of talent um two you definitely can't disagree that there's been a lot of hard work um I say three, a small amount of luck. Um, and then four, I think that's where it sets apart. The rest of the world is uh, an obsession with what you do. So I, I spoke on earlier about being a master of my craft. It really is trying to get the best out of myself every single day and looking at those areas and go, okay, I'm not so good on here. I'm not so good on there. How do we make that better? Okay, I'm going to talk to the physio. I'm going to talk to the biomechanics. How do I make that better? I'm going out my own way to make myself better. I'm going out my own way, taking full responsibility for my performance. Mm. Um, so I don't need a nutritionist going, oh, that shit's bad for you. I, you can't eat that. I know it's not bad. It's not, I know it's not good for me. Um, so why would I do it? So it's basically having that kind of, yeah, I guess full responsibility of your performance. performance. And working with the team, UK, USA, Australia, are very lucky and there's a few other teams in there. You know, there's a whole list of them, but let's say those three, um, and you've got way more. But they're very lucky because they've got massive, extensive um, support networks. You know, look at Swimming Australia, look at Team USA, look at Great Britain, Tokyo, Netherlands, and stuff like that. So they've got really extensive um, professionals who work for them, and 
the people who work for British Swimming, I really believe you know, we are sort of the best in the world. So if we're looking for uh, the best in the world performance, we're going to look at, okay, who's the best biomechanics in the world? Uh, and how can I get, how can I shave 0.1 off to before I've even got to five meters? Mm. It's stuff like that where we're really going to have a way to get that performance instead of relying on, I need them to tell me. But I can't be asked to wait six months for someone to tell me I need it now because uh, in six months it's too late. Yeah. So I'll always push them and they'll always push me. Um, and then really, it's what goes on up in here, like in your head, you can't even see it because of the green scheme, but in your head, um, yeah, in your head that, you know, in your mental state, that is the most important part. Um, in my head, before I, in the championship, I'm unbreakable. Uh, anything that does happen and I can't control, I don't care. I'm still going to race. Um, it's really having that mindset that, you know, control the controllables. Don't try and control the uncontrollable. It doesn't matter what's going off in lane seven for me or lane four, lane three, lane five. I'm in the moment right now. I'm in tunnel vision. I'm going for it. I've trained for this moment all my life and it's going to happen. Um, so, yeah, having that kind of, you know, undying obsession with what you do, that's where you set apart people who just make the Olympics and people who medal, people who get gold and people who have world records. Um, and I think I really do think swimming still is in its infancy. Um, I think we've got a long way to come in terms of that. And, you know, if you look at any professional sport and maybe ISL will push this on, but I think we're just going to get faster and faster. Um, the whole sport in general, yes, it's fast, but I just think we can be so much faster in the next 10, 20 years. Um, hence why I want to get ahead of the curve and try and break my own world record before no one can touch it. So <laughs> it's, uh, that'll be ideal, I guess. Um, and then I'll be commentating hopefully on, on them and you know, what, what not, but you know, I love exactly what, what I do. And, uh, and that's another one. Number five, have an undying love for what you do because you can't do anything amazing and, you know, incredible if you don't, if you don't deep down, you know, you absolutely love what you do. It's a massive welcome to off the block swimming podcast to Ariane Titmus. Ariane, how are you? Good. Thanks for having me. You must be happy with the 400, obviously, the gold, the PB, everything you trained for, everything you prepared for was achieved in that moment. I know you said, you know, you still feel like, you know, Katie was the better swimmer and you were just on the day, you know, it was your day. But there's no doubt, you know, if you don't put in the work, if you don't put in those days of, of grinding and, and mentally just staying switched on, that moment doesn't become yours. That's still Katie's and you fall just behind. So it must have been a special moment for you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, as much as I love swimming and training and the whole sport, I think that you know, when you have a goal that is, you know, in swimming, got your, a lot of your goals are very long-winded. And for me, um, my goal has never been to beat Katie. My goal was just to become faster. And on that day, that was good enough to win. So personally, the time that I did um, was, was the goal that I had and to execute my race and then for that to be good enough to win was just a bonus. And, you know, for me... Um, with her and my events, it just happens to be that it's going to be a bit more challenging to become Olympic champion or world champion. And then that's just the way it is. She's just an incredible athlete and I have to, you know, be better to win. So um, I think for me, it was just kind of like the feeling of ticking another box and moving on and not trying to dwell because I still knew that I had the Olympics. So I think for me that 
the biggest thing it gave me was race confidence, knowing that I could race when I had to um, in, in a tough situation and um, put together, you know, the 400 that I wanted to and my training had, you know, somewhat come together. So um, that was, the, you know, the, the biggest thing, I think. It's interesting you say that in terms of, um, you know, you want to become an Olympic champion. It just so happens that Katie Ledeck is in the same race that you're racing. Do you think, you know, looking back and looking at it now that you appreciate having her there because you know when, you know, if, if you get that moment that you've beaten the absolute best. Now, I bring this up because I spoke to Chad LeClow, as I said before, not long ago, and he always said that he enjoyed racing Michael Phelps because he knew, and he, he won in, in London, um, obviously he, he beat Michael, but he knew if he got that moment that he'd beaten the absolute best, that there wasn't, oh, Michael wasn't there today, so I, I got the moment. It was, I beat the absolute best. Do you think there's a little bit of that with you as well, that you know, you know, having the best you know, probably ever, let's be honest, Katie Ledecky is an absolute legend that if you get that moment that, you know, no one could, that's, that's absolutely, you know, you've beaten the absolute best. Yeah. Yeah. I think definitely. And for me as well, I think if Katie wasn't racing, um, I wouldn't have such a high standard to try and achieve. And I don't think I would be swimming as fast as I am without her because she's always set a benchmark that I've had to try and push to get to. And, um, you know, it definitely makes you want to push more because there's always someone in front of you. And definitely, I think beating Katie, um, you know, it was, it was you know, you'd, you had beaten the best person. And um, it, I think if she wasn't there, it, you know, even though I wouldn't, like, you know, say she actually didn't do the race, um, you know, it wouldn't feel like as much of a win as, it, as you said, if she's in the race. Um, but for me, I think the biggest thing is just, having her there um to set the standard i think standard's a big thing um you know if the best 400 freestyler in the world was 402 i don't think um you know no one would be going you know pushing harder i think yeah. the fact that she's gone 356 i think more and more girls are going to start trying to push under that four minute mark because she sets up such a high standard we have an absolute treat as i'm joined by four men that 20 years ago to this day inspired a country and generations of Aussie swimmers to come when they broke a 36-year-old stranglehold that Team USA had on the men's 4 by 100 meter freestyle relay. They won gold in spectacular fashion in the 2000 Sydney Olympics on night one of competition. It's my honour, it's my privilege to welcome to Off the Block Swimming Podcast in relay order, I might add, Michael Clem, Chris Feidler, Ash Callis and Ian Thorpe. Boys, how are we going? Howdy. Very well, well. thanks. Thanks for having us. Now, boys, obviously the race plan-wise, you guys executed perfectly the back end, but obviously helping that back end was the fact that the crowd, and as you said, 18,000 or whatever, was just, you know, going off every time you guys were charging down the back end. How much did that play a part? Did you hear it at all? I know, obviously, we want to know that you heard it, and we, you know, even as coaches, sometimes <laughs> we're going, oh, go, and we hope that really we're doing nothing other than making ourselves feel better. But did you guys hear it at all or no? Well, for me, obviously, watching the watching the guys swim after I Yo, finished, you heard it all. <laughs> you know, it, it was incrementally was in getting louder and louder. Um, you know, the more the crowd noticed that we're in this race, and I think people started towards the last two legs. I think people were on their feet already. So, um, and then when Thorpe was in, the, in his last sort of twenty meters, you know, people were stomping on the on the actual stand, and it was the whole thing was vibrating and. 
I think, uh, I'm not sure if Fides or Thorpey mentioned that the actual bolts had re- removed from the ground a little bit because they hadn't, they hadn't calculated for people actually jumping up and down only standing in the, in, in the, in the stand. So um, there was definitely, I, I don't think they ever predicted there'd be such a big crowd with such an amount of noise. So it was deafening. And in the last sort of 20 metres, I could definitely notice it's, what something I've never experienced in that pool ever again, you know. So um, it was certainly very loud, that's for sure. I hope you guys can back me up on that. Yeah, Thorpe, <laughs> you, 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 your, your experience is an interesting one because you had the, the 400 as well. Um, talk, talk about your stuff. I like, I like your explanation of that race. <laughs> Do you? Um, well, <laughs> yeah, so look, the, the 400 for me, I, I'd never heard as, as large a, a cheer as what it was for me uh, during that during that 400 or before the 400. Um, and so then after it, the crowds, obviously, you know, they are energized coming into this race and lead up to what it is. Um, you know, if, uh, when, when Michael broke the world record in the first lap, you know, the crowd cheered to that, um, you know, as Fides was actually diving into the pool because it came up on the thing and it, the crowd erupted again. Um, and so it then, wasn't just because I dove in. <laughs> <laughs> was yeah. like, oh. it, was, it was mostly about um, it's about Mike at this time. Um, <laughs> um, so it was then um, you know the, <laughs> I, could, I could say the crowd just you know the level just dropped. <laughs> <laughs> As the race settled, <laughs> <laughs> there was a consistency um, across everyone. And especially when we turn, and when we turn in front, every time it would amplify. Um, it would it would go up, and then when we had a changeover where we we're in front, that roar would would really lift. Um, and so, I mean, when it when it came to my my leg, and we were we were in front, um, I, I haven't heard anything like it at any competition anywhere in the world. Um, where I've swum at or I've seen someone else swim at um, that was like that. Um, and, you know, you know, from that point, um, you know, it, it, it may have helped that there was a closed roof and everything else, and I don't want to detract from what other swimmers have, have achieved, but for some reason it was as loud as it gets in a swimming race. Well, Ian, while we're still with you, let's, let's go to that finish and obviously – uh, I can still hear the commentary now. Maybe it's just because it's all over the opener to my <laughs> podcast. But, uh, you know, it's, it's Thorpe and Hall, Thorpe and Hall. And, you know, Thorpe goes in, Australia win. The roof blows off the joint. Everyone was screaming in their lounges <laughs> at home. At what point for you, though, in that 100, did you start to really feel comfortable that, okay, I'm getting him here. This is, you know, this, it's time to put the foot down. Well, there was nothing to put down uh, <laughs> to start with. Um, I it, I didn't have, um, I guess, the, the, the tools um, that other people may have in the 100 um, to be able to utilise. There was no speed that I could have gone out faster in, but I had confidence in what I could do in the second 50 and not fatiguing. Um, that's about all I had. Um, and... The first time I, I, I knew, because I, I knew um, Gary would, would be ahead of me at the 50. I knew that. Um, I just was in disbelief during the first 50 how quickly um, he had caught up to me. 
because I had a good changeover. Um, his was slower than mine. So I gained a little bit. Um, and, but, you know, it was gone. It evaporated. Um, but I turned at 50. I pushed off the wall and I had a really good term, which I don't usually have in 100. Um, I think because the American team and the Australian team are so far ahead, um, I, I missed a lot of the wash that I would have otherwise. Uh, me and I popped up and I went, okay, um, you know, now we're at it. This is the second 50. And, you know, I think at about 25 metres, I realised I'm starting to get back into the race because that enthusiasm, that cheer from the crowd, that kind of dissipated um, as soon as Gary Hall, you know, went off in front of me. Um, and it was, you know, I felt a silence which was kind of like a collective sigh um, when, you know, that had happened. And then I could also hear the crowd building um, as I was going through that second 50. Um, it was probably about 15, around 15 metres to go where I realised how much I was gaining. And with about 10 to 8 metres to go, I realised it would come down to a touch. Um, and I reminded myself to lengthen my stroke um, and a very quick, he's a sprinter, it will hurt him more than you, um, was what I told myself. Um, and that was it. That was when I put my head down. It is a massive honor to welcome to Off The Block Swimming Podcast to Mr. Greg Troy. Greg, how are you going, mate? Oh, real good. It's nice to talk to you. Now, I, I feel like if anyone I can speak to on this podcast will understand, I think you'll be best equipped to answer this question given the success you've had. What makes a superstar swimmer like Caleb or, or like a Ryan Lochte, do you think? Is it something that, you know, can't be taught? Is it just being an ultimate competitor? I know, you know, you would have saw it yourself, the Michael Jordan documentary and just of how fierce a competitor he was. Um, you know, do you think you can reach that level just by simply being dedicated and working hard and having a burning desire to be the best? Or is it just simply something that you either have or you don't? I, I, I don't know that you have it or you don't. I do know that, um, that it's a combination of lots of factors. Um, it, it, what's that old saying? You know, it, it, it doesn't, everyone likes to win, but they've got to hate losing. Mm. Caleb Dressel and Ryan Lochte hate losing. They, 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 Michael Phelps, they hate losing. Michael Jordan, he hates losing. Um, you know, I, I, I was a student of some other sports, great football coach like Vince Lombardi, hate losing. Ferguson hates losing. Those guys learn how to motivate those things in, in the right direction. Um, I, I think there, there's something to be said for that. And they're, they're, not, afraid to, um, they're not afraid to step out. And, and they're, you, what's really unique, the most unique thing I've seen about Ryan and Caleb, they're never satisfied. Mm. Now, getting them to understand it on a day-to-day -day basis, practice isn't always easy. <laughs> but, but, but they're never satisfied at the competition. Uh, as good as um, um, Korea was for Caleb, we left with a whole list of things that, that and his was longer than mine, that we weren't happy about. Yeah. That we thought could be even. Um, and, but I, I think the key is it's easy to recognize those things in meet days. Can you take those things and put them into practice on the really challenging days and make it happen then? That's, that's important. 
And, and I, I think those really good guys find a way to do that. And they do, um, they do understand there, there is no fear. What's that Michael Jordan, he talks about all the game-winning shots he took, but he wasn't afraid to take one. And they shot just as many that didn't win games mm. and shot more shots that didn't make it than ones that did. But he wasn't afraid to take that next shot. And I, I find that a lot for those really good guys. They're looking for ways to take another shot. Give me another opportunity. At uh, the 2012 London Olympics, he did something not many people get to do when he won a gold medal in the 200 fly and beating his sporting hero, Michael Phelps. It is a massive welcome from across the other side of the world via Zoom to one of the greats, Mr. Chad LeClaude. Chad, how are you, mate? Hey, mate. Great to be on your show. Thanks very much. I've, I've been doing this podcast for coming up to 100 episodes and there's no doubt in my mind that a trait of a champion and an out-and-out -out champion, and you've already dis displayed this in just some of the things you've said in this chat, is that people hate losing more than they enjoy winning. Do you think that's the case? I mean, there's no doubt you enjoy it. There's no doubt you, you appreciate your wins because I, I know, you, you know there's no way you look back on London and go, oh, what are... But that... that champions the out and out chat like Susie O'Neill still looks back on Sydney Olympics in that 200 uh, I'm sure Michael still looks at the 200 from London I know Grant Hackett looks at his silver medals that he has as disappointing failures he says it he said I look I still have it. he keeps it in his drawer at work to look at things that he he never wants to have that at work he wants to be the best do you feel the Absolutely. same way oh of course no doubt that's why the 200 fly for me I mean like like Michael you know right it was like uh it was terrible, man. It was like, it was like hard not to cry about it afterwards. I, I had to hold the tears back because, you know, my dad said a famous thing, you know, the Leclerc, the Leclerc family, we don't cry for losing, we only cry for winning. Yeah. So it was, it was a hard, it was a hard moment. It was a hard pull to swallow for me. Absolutely. Just because I know also I could have, you know, could have, should have, whatever, could have done better, right? Should have done better, should I say, not could have done better. Um, and it's just, it's hard to look back because moments like that, only, it's not like a football match where you have 90 minutes, right? Or a rugby match, you have 80 minutes to make amends for that mistake you did in the first uh, 10 minutes of the game. You know what I'm trying to say? So like, I just, it definitely eats you inside. I, I, I totally agree. I look back at a lot of things, you know, a lot of, lot of defeats here and there, you know. Um, but the only thing I can say to that is you come back stronger, you know. Um, I, I literally, after, after Rio, I broke the world record, short course, 100 fly, you know what I mean? I won four gold medals short course, you know? I won the world title the year after in a faster time than Michael did, mm -hmm. you know? I got my redemption for myself. It wasn't for anybody else, it was for myself. I didn't really care. I mean, sure, of course I was doing it for my family, for the fans, but like, I was so obsessed with winning. I, I, I said it, I said it in an interview right after the race, right after the race, like after the Olympics, I said, I said, look guys, I don't want to, I don't want to sound uh, disrespectful towards Olympics because you know what? Two silvers is a huge achievement and I don't want to demean the Olympics and, and the other people that I got medals. I'm grateful for what I have, but you know what? Uh, next year's world championship, I'm going to win that tournament fly. A lot, of, a lot of people said that's the last tournament fly you'll see Chad swim. I laughed at people. Nobody will retire me. I retire myself. You know what I'm trying to say? No one will retire me. You know what I mean? I retire people. You know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> so I was pissed off when people said that crap you know what I mean so I was like no problem and I came out the, the year after and whatever happens going forward I found my, my my form of redemption in my own in my own way it may, may have not been Olympic final it was a world championship final top people the only one missing was Michael really and, and, and I beat his time from, from, from the year before which you know which doesn't mean anything because it's not about times for me I've never been a time person you know yeah. 
but I just, uh, yeah, I just, I just feel like, you know, if, if you respond to that, you know, if you come back and you respond and, 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 and I've always said, you don't, you don't, you don't judge a man's character for how he celebrates victory. You judge it for how his back's against the wall. That's mm-hmm. how you judge a man's character. You know what I mean? Anyone can win when times are good. Anyone can win when you're winning 3-0 in, in soccer and you, you score the fourth goal and you, you know, you know, you want to, you want to, when you wind down 75 minutes in the clock, you know, 50 minutes ago, you want to get that headed goal you want to score that free kick you know what i'm trying to say that that's that's what you live for you know what i mean so that's 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 what i that's what i you know i was i was hungry after after 2016 i still am hungry i'm 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 overly hungry right now and and that's not <laughs> your fire i can tell you're fun. getting fired up and i love it it's nine it's actually you know nearly 10 30 at night here mate but you're getting me pumped up i might go for a run after the, actually let's not, <laughs> let's not kid ourselves i'm not going for no, a run but you know what I mean? It's not, it's not about, it's not, I'm not saying I'm going to win next year. You know, yeah. I, I, I probably, you know, on paper, I have no chance of winning next year because I'm up against youngsters that are better than me, faster than me, blah, blah, blah. The list goes on. But you know what, mate? I know one day I will get, I will, I will win a game. It may not be next year. It may be Paris. You know, it might be there. I don't know when it's going to be, but it's going to come again. You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm confident that, and, and maybe it doesn't come in the form of a gold medal, right? Maybe it comes in the form of something else and, and I'll, I'll keep fighting until i until i'm satisfied you know and 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 i don't think that's going to come anytime soon right you know so i i've got a lot more goals i want to achieve you know in the sport outside the sport, you know so yeah. we'll see we'll see what happens now boys i want to finish up with a bit of fun today uh, i'm gonna we're gonna play a game that i like to call the sydney 2000 quick quiz uh feel free to play along at home uh if you are listening now these questions are all based around the sydney 2000 olympics or pop culture around that time um, I'll do it really quickly because I know we're running out of time. There's only about five questions, so don't worry. Uh, your names, your buzzers, or your nicknames. You can use your nicknames. Go for gold. Uh, and we'll start with question one. Now, everyone knows Kathy Freeman famously lit the cauldron um, at the opening ceremony. But which two Aussies uh, were also a part of the final stages of the torch relay? Which swimmers, sorry? Which two Aussie swimmers Rumpy. were a part of? Shane Gould and... And Jordan? Uh, and Jordan Fraser. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one each, one each. I'll give you half. Uh, question two. Everyone knows who came first and second in the men's 100 freestyle. Uh, but which country got bronze? Ash, Brazil. Brazil. Very good. Yeah, good um, I actually didn't know that myself until I had a quick check of it. Um, I didn't know that either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, Eric the Eel became uh, an instant star in 2000 when he swam. No, that's not the question. The question was, who can get closest to the time he swam? Lumpy. Um, I reckon he did a minute 21. Okay. Two minutes. Uh, Ash, three minutes. Thorpey? I said 156. Thorpey wins. It was 152.72. Oh, oh, wow. God he bless him. He, he, was, he was blowing a gale after Olympics. that race too. God bless him. Um, <laughs> actually, true story. I had to rescue him at Bondi Beach when there was a photo <laughs> shoot and for Speedo a few days later. <laughs> he went out. He, he'd never been in the surf before. So we, no, we got him in. <laughs> He's now the head coach of Equatorial Guinea for anyone who, who wants to know. I've been trying to track him down for the podcast, but I can't get his number. He's still under a minute now as well. Can yeah, so a lot of people don't know. Yeah, he did. He went on to, to break the minute and do pretty well. Um, right. All right, Someone quick. said he went 52 seconds. Is that true or not really? <laughs> I don't know if he got that fast. Um, <laughs> question four. Who sang the song Strawberry Kisses? Oh, Ash, Nikki Webster. 
Yes. <laughs> I intentionally didn't answer that just to see who knew. She had that in his earpods on the way in the marching area. There he is back then. <laughs> All right. Uh, question number five. Russell Crowe had a movie that was released in 2000. Yeah. Gladiator. Very good. All right. I think we've got a tie at the moment. So this will come down <laughs> to the final I'm question. <laughs> oh, you're keeping score. <laughs> I'm on three. Okay, okay, give, him, give, give him another lead. It's okay, okay. All right. Okay, all, right. <laughs> all right. Who can name the mascots from the Sydney Olympics? <laughs> and I'll give you a bonus point if you can get the Paralympic one. Oh, God. No, I don't know. Wombat? No, Fatso? <laughs> no, that was in the... No, it was Lizzie. It was a lizard. <laughs> Frillneck lizard. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> all right, boys. Now, uh, I want to thank you all very much for coming on and agreeing for this chat. It's a special moment for me. Uh, I cannot tell you how uh, you know, much it means to me to have you guys on the show and obviously the listeners out there and having you guys together. Thank you for being you know, champions of our sport, inspiring not just the country, but as I said, all the swimmers to come. Your contributions to our great sport you know, will just continue to be replayed for many years to come. Hopefully they can start to fix up the, the visual because the, the, you know, the, the, the video is starting to look older too. Let's start the movie. Remastered. They can yeah, digitally remaster, <laughs> fix it up a little bit. But, uh, mate, you're bloody legends, and I just wanted to say thank you very much for coming on Off The Block Swing Podcast. Thanks, yeah. Good on you. Awesome. Thanks, thank you. <laughs> See ya.